This is the Mojo, the Meaning of Life and Business podcast, where life and business intersect. Hosted by Jennifer Glass, CEO of Business Growth Strategies International and BGSI Coaching. We are dedicated to your success. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mojo, the Meaning of Life and Business. On today's program, we are going to be talking about mindset and how that relates to your consumer's mindset, your mindset, and the business's mindset in terms of what you're doing and how that's going to ultimately succeed in what you're trying to get your consumers to do with you or your clients. And so I've got a really incredible guest today. His name is Dan Brody. But before I bring Dan on, let me tell you a little bit about Dan. So Dan is an experienced and effective marketing pioneer with unique understanding of the value added through compelling digital media. He's an accomplished C-suite manager of broadcast digital campaigns that have built calculable brand awareness and sales. He understands firsthand that effective communication with consumers speaks directly to the bottom line. Dan has taught an extensive evergreen course on how to identify the right franchise business opportunity to over 1,800 enrolled students and counting, as well as spoken before numerous audiences to share insight into developing a motivating business culture and best practices. And for those of you that don't know Dan, he's also been featured on The Apprentice, uh, which is a really incredible opportunity for Dan and got you tremendous exposure. So yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. It's always awkward to be sitting through someone <laughs> you know, sharing about your history, um, but, uh, but I, th- I appreciate uh, you're doing that. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride as you know, entrepreneurial business is, and uh, as I'm sure you know, right? You've, you've started companies, so yeah, it's been a great ride. A lot of ups, a lot of downs, but that's all part of the excitement. So before we jump into the topic of mindset, then let's talk about your time on The Apprentice. Sure. So this was back in 2005, 2006 when you were on The Apprentice. Yeah, it goes back a little while. Um, so I was coming home from my job and, um, and I was listening to the radio. And on the radio they had an ad for, uh, you know, for the next season of The Apprentice and if you wanted to try out for, for The Apprentice, you should show up at 8 o'clock at, in the morning the following day. And I had not given it much thought prior to then. I had never even watched the show. And um, I get home and I think to myself, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make sure that I'm like the first one online. And in order to do that, I figured, why wait till 8 o'clock in the morning? I'm going to go tonight, the night before, and I'm going to camp out in New York City, um, I was younger then, and, <laughs> and um, I'm going to get online and be the first person online. I showed up in New York City in front of the building um, at 11 o'clock at night. I was the 13th person there already. So I'm 11 o'clock the night prior and there's already 12 people ahead of me. And um, But I prepared. Uh, I'd done some backpacking after college, so I brought a 10 with me and sure enough it did rain a little bit that night. By the next morning at 8 o'clock in the morning, there was well over a thousand people all the way down, wrapping around the block. So, and not every one of them even got in uh, because uh, you know, there's only there's only so much bandwidth with all the producers. But that started the experience, and it was it was an arduous process. To um, you know, they got to make sure that you're going to be interesting, that you are capable. Um, 
And there were a series of interviews. Um, they even at one point flew me out along with about, I'd say about uh, 25 other potential contestants, put us up in a hotel for a week, and it was a battery of debates and exams and interviews, literally, um, prior to finding out that you know I made it on the show. Yeah. So what were some of the lessons that you learned from being on the program? Yeah, so I would say one of the interesting things that, that I discovered was the world in which, uh, at that time, you know, I, I, had a, you know, I had a regular job and um, I had tried a few things entrepreneurially um, with, you know, with some success and some, and some not. But what this opened up to me was the value of relationships, which I hadn't really fully appreciated before, um, but also understanding that that feeling, and you've probably felt it, I'm sure you've felt it, where you're, you're kind of, you know, the, the best way to describe it is if you stand straight and you lean forward, that moment when you have to take a step or you're going to fall, right? You have to take a step or you're going to fall. You have to get comfortable with that feeling of, I don't want to say it's uncertainty, but with that feeling of forward, um, uh, forward motion, because that is what being successful as an entrepreneur feels like in some ways. It's that unknown a little bit. It's a little scary, but that's almost, that's kind of what growth is. Um, and very often, even if you're a successful entrepreneur, <clears throat> we have a tendency to avoid that uncomfortable moment. But, you know, I, I've seen other people describe it. Um, they describe it as sort of like that growth spurt or that feeling of like there's so much going on. But when you're in that, when you put yourself into that, uh, into that position, a lot of times what will happen, not for everybody, but a lot of times what happens is sort of that you kick in to that zone. It, you're in that zone and you almost operate at a higher level, at a faster level, because your brain has all this stimuli coming at you. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm sort of describing something that um, the sounds theoretical, but the reality is, is it, you'll have the exact same feeling, and I've gone through this, when you hit a growth spurt um, and you need to hire people. And you're like, well, how am I gonna have the time to hire them, train them, maintain these customers? It's a lot to deal with. Um, but you just, your brain starts moving a little bit quicker. You start being more resourceful, I guess, is, is, is what it is. It's forced resourcefulness. Does that make sense? Absolutely, and that's a great segue into our topic of mindset and having the mindset to get that resourcefulness in terms of where we're going. Yeah. So let me ask you, before we talk about mindset, how do you define the concept of mindset? That's a good question. I guess mindset is how you view, how you view any situation, right? Because you take two different people and you present them with the same scenario, the same situation, and they both approach it in different ways. A perfect story, perfect example, right? Someone told me this a long time ago. It was a story, right? Two major shoe brands sent their you know, research and development guy out to, um, to an area in Africa, Central Africa, <clears throat> back in like the 60s when there hadn't been much exploration yet. And one guy calls up his, you know, calls up headquarters in New York City and says, it's a waste of time out here. Nobody's wearing sneakers. Nobody's wearing running shoes. There's just no need for it. 
The other guy calls back and he says, send out a team, let's open up an office today. It's amazing, nobody wears sneakers here. Nobody's wearing running shoes, yet. Two different people, two different mindsets. One of them sees opportunity, the other one doesn't. And we see this, you see this every day. I, you know, you'll see this around holidays too, especially, right? You, have, you can have two relatives say the same thing to you. One of them, you're like, oh, that's interesting. The other one, you're just angry as hell about whatever they said. Two people said the same thing. So it's mindset, it's your mindset. So you can see, and that's and the reason I use that example about relatives, because it's so true, is also because it shows you very viscerally that your mindset can make all the difference. Because you see how your mindset makes you feel about those two people. They both said the same thing. Now, yes, you might say that, you know, when Jane said it, she meant something, and when John said it, he meant something differently. It doesn't make a difference. You are internalizing it differently. The same thing can be had, um, can be said for when you go ahead and um, how you approach a challenge or how you approach an opportunity. So, you know, the other interesting thing is also as you talk about mindset and two different people on the holidays, it's also, am I going to take it easy or am I going to double down? Right. Because you look at how some people are during the holidays and some people say, well, the world is going on vacation. Right. I'm going to go on vacation too. And then other entrepreneurs look at it. Everyone else is going on vacation. This is a perfect opportunity for me to go fishing right. in a much bigger pool right. now that I can actually get more people. And so you start looking at the mindset different from that perspective as well. Sure, it's your outlook. Yeah. Right. And that plays a huge hand in being in a position to actually meet your clients where they are and when they are. For sure. So let's look though at how marketing talks to the mindset sure. and where the client's mindset is as it relates to that. So as you're developing these digital marketing campaigns right. and you're trying to get into the mindset, the thought zone as we call it, of where your clients are, what are some of the things that you've found have worked really well? It's a good question. So the first thing I'll say is that what's interesting and that i found is that a lot of clients, not the client's customers, but a lot of clients are experts in their domain, but automatically assume that means they are experts in understanding the client's, um, what was the term you used, zone? The thought zone. Thought zone, of the, of a great term. Thought zone of the customer. It, and, and you shouldn't make that assumption. I don't see why anyone would make this assumption. But let's, let's give a perfect example. <clears throat> you are a heart surgeon, right? You know how to fix the heart. Does that mean that you understand how people feel about not feeling well emotionally? Happens to be most surgeons, wonderful people, I know a lot. Not so good when it comes to the emotional element of connecting with their patient in that way, in the emotional way, right? <clears throat> so no matter what you're selling, don't automatically assume that just because you thoroughly understand glasses, that you thoroughly understand how someone feels about having near or far vision, right? Being near sighted or far sighted, or how they feel about, you know, in the empowerment of having those glasses. Just because you are a, an optometrist, um, or, you know, the answer is, is that be humble enough to understand that there is a different view 
for your product and for how they feel about your product. Okay. So one of the things that we do and, um, and is important for anyone to do is to you know, look at your, at your product, see how users uh, or customers use your product, and then speak to the customers. A lot of people say, you know, go out of the building, right? Speak to customers about how they feel, not just about your product, but about what your product solves, about the problem that your product solves. It's actually removing you one step from your product. Because if you think about it, their feelings about how they view the problem is what they're dealing with before they even consider your product, right? So my concern about finding you know, something to wear, <clears throat> first it's what's going to draw me to that particular item, right? How, what am I considering? What am I thinking about? So if I'm selling pizza, for instance, right? I'm thinking about my customer. My customer, if my customer wants to eat something and I'm just looking for my customer because based on what they want to eat and I'm not taking into consideration their concerns about you know fat content or um, or lactose intolerance. I'm just giving an example. If I'm not considering all those other elements that go into their decision as to what to eat and I'm just thinking about they want to eat, they'll come to me. I'm missing a huge swath of potential customers and I might even be speaking and spending my time speaking to customers that are the wrong customer. Right. And that also goes to, you know, just another example of the pizza store. Are you talking to people that are even awake during the times that you're open? Right. You know, one of the things that I know that there's a pizza restaurant, a pizza place in Hackensack, New Jersey, mm -hmm. that realized, wait a second, let's not be stupid. They open up at four in the afternoon and they close at four in the morning. Really? Now, most people would think, are they stupid? Right. Why do that? But what all of these other pizza places take into account or don't take into account is the fact that you have all of these people coming off for work at the police station, the hospitals and everything else at midnight. And so where are they going for their dinner? Right. If they want pizza, it's the only place open. They're, they're so identifying it's, that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's their market dominating position that says we're the only one open after midnight. Everyone else is closing eight, nine, ten o'clock. The and that becomes that becomes a marketing um, a marketing point for them. Nobody. It's a perfect example. How many pizza stores do you know where someone goes ahead and says, "Yeah, we have the greatest pizza," but do you know that we're open from nine to seven every day? No one. Can, no one's. Right. No one's going to go. Wow, that's so unique. But here becomes a marketing point. Same thing with Insomnia Cookies, right? Insomnia Cookies is actually a cookie chain that takes that exact mentality. If they put it even in their name, they're a cookie chain that in many locations is open to like two, three, four in the morning, depending upon which location. For that exact point, they happen to set themselves up in busy areas, busy tourist areas, near college, universities, and they probably do more sales of cookies in those wee hours of the morning than they do during regular, you know, conventional business hours. Right. Yeah. And so the market dominant position really becomes important in that uh, sense. So as we look again at mindset, what are some of the things that we as entrepreneurs need to start thinking about in terms of mindset, in terms of how to get us in the right mindset so that we reach the right people in their mindset? It's a good point. So <clears throat> you probably heard this before, right? So there was um, 
Jordan Belfer. There was a movie made about him. He was like, he sold, he was the, the Wolf of Wall Street. So after he went to jail um, <laughs> and came out, he, um, he, did, he, he would run these uh, mostly overseas. Um, he'd run these, you know, sales courses. One interesting thing that he's become well known for is he would take out a pen and he would hand it to someone. He would say, sell me this pen. And the person would say, this pen is amazing. He'd say, take it away from me. He says, no, you don't know what to sell. Next person. And what he was getting at was he didn't want you to try to sell the pen. He wanted you to talk to your customer and say what this pen can do for you or what you need this pen can do. So. I'm not pointing him out to be, you know, the beacon of, of, uh, of direction when it comes to dealing with customers, although he's obviously very talented. What I'm saying is, is that it's important to identify the mindset of your customer and make sure that it's aligned with your mindset. So in, in, when we're talking about sales anyway, right? So your mindset should be, I have a product, I'm convinced this product is great, but even more importantly, this product serves a valuable purpose. Because I, I believe that people, and it's not just me, but I believe that when people feel they have a purpose, it's a lot easier for you to be a little bit tougher on, on a push, have a little more confidence about making that effort or making that call when you think that maybe someone's gonna hang up on you. Because you're not just selling something for selfish reasons or for you know, the value of that object or that service, you believe in its purpose and you're selling the purpose. It's a lot easier to get behind selling a purpose than it is selling a product. So it will help you. It helps you as a, um, as a salesperson, but also helps you think more about your product as to how it's helping other people. And then those other people, will, will there will be a connection. It'll resonate with them better. So not only does it kind of give you the self-confidence, but it will also create this unseen connection with the consumer um, and anyone else you're working with because you have that feeling of purpose um, and that kind of gets everybody on the same on the same page so I think that viewing the mindset in terms of what you're doing what finding what is the purpose absolutely and that again goes as I say all the time it's the benefit of the benefit not the features too many people like you were just saying you take the pen Right. And sell me the pen. Well, it writes beautifully. Who cares? Right? A million pens do the exact same right. thing. If you say, though, that it's going to allow me to actually write, you're starting to get to the point. Right? Yeah, it's, it's going to, you're, you're finding out what the, what the customer wants. Right. <laughs> and so, if you think about it, and I got this from one of my mentors, um, if you think about a car, right? So many pieces of the car are there, right? Don't tell me about the spark plugs. Right. Unless I look like a mechanic, the spark plugs mean nothing. Personally, for me, I don't even know where they are in the car. Right. But you tell me it's going to get me from point A to point B, and it's going to have the right number of cup holders, so my kids are not going to argue about the space and right. the right whatever. It's going to make a difference. And the only way to know that is to talk to you. Right. Is to find out from you what your interests are. Because you might say, like you said, you might like cup holders. For some one person, like, I just need a cup holder for my coffee. Another person would be like, look, I need five cup holders, you know, because I need two, and then each of my kids needs one, and then I want one for the passenger, and it becomes a big deal. Right. So understanding the customer is tremendous, is important, and understanding your own purpose. So it's really twofold. It's understanding the customer's need 
and it's understanding your own purpose. And once you really understand your own purpose, it will it will by itself almost communicate to the customer. And I, remember, I think Simon Sinek um, has a TED talk about the why, finding your why, right? Um, and a, per a really cool example that he gives is <clears throat> um, Dell computers, great computers. But if Dell computers came out with a phone tomorrow, would you run out and say, I gotta get the latest Dell computer phone? The answer is probably not. Apple computers was always a computer company was, kind of, but for some reason, everybody wants an iPhone, an Apple iPhone. Why? Because their why was not, we're going to be a great computer company, it's we're going to be a great innovative technology company. So when they come out with like a bicycle helmet that is linked to your phone, you want that. Because it's not a computer company, it's a, you know, their why is different. So if you know your why, it, you can see how that works automatically with Apple, right? It affects you and me. Right. Their why that they've really honed in on affects how we view their company. So if you identify your why and it just exudes from you, right? It just comes out of you because you're living it, it's going to affect how your consumer views you. And then, of course, you understand their why. And the Walt Disney Company is the exact same. You look at exactly what they do, and it's not just the movies or the parks or what have you, it's the whole experience. Absolutely. And so people are constantly used to, well, how can I even have a birthday party in the park? Right. And Get married in the park. Right. Have tr uh, business training in the Absolutely. park. Absolutely. There's all of these different ways that the Walt Disney Company has found to really connect. It's not just a simple entertainment company. It's really a whole bunch of things. It, it it's runs a the game. life company. It's right. It's sort of a, it's it's almost. I, I'm the, the truth is I don't know off the top of my head. Maybe it, we'll, we could look into it. But it's I wonder what their overall mission. Maybe it's like a you know an entertainment um, element. But they do so much more than that. And even though these things on paper might seem like they don't connect, they really do connect because the way in which they provide. Um, excellent service in that, um, you know, in, in that, uh, you could say like fairy tale theme park environment really does cross over to how they can teach providing excellent service in whatever business or corporation. And they actually do. They have training boot camps, you know, week long or two week long boot camps in Disney World for large corporations to train them on how to have excellent customer service. Right, and Walt Disney actually has a handbook uh, that you can Google, even if you wanted to. Just Google the Walt Disney Marketing Handbook. And uh, Dan Kennedy constantly talks about this. For those of you that don't know Dan Kennedy, he's basically the godfather of copywriting. Um, wrote so many books. If you haven't yet looked into his books, definitely take a look. I uh, guarantee you're going to find a lot of information from there. So Dan, as we wrap up our conversation today, um, tell me a little bit about your journey. I mean, we briefly <laughs> discussed it, right. but let's kind of... Sure. I'll give you the, uh, the quick rundown. So I've had an eclectic business background, that is for sure. Um, right out of college. I went to work for a large nursing home and assisted living company, which was 
a division of the Marriott hotel chain. A lot of people don't realize this, but Marriott had about 150 nursing homes and assisted living facilities in this country. They don't have any anymore. They're completely in the hotel industry now. Um, I worked for that uh, for that company for a little while. I had um, had my administrator's license. Uh, I went to I got my MBA and um, and a joint um, degree from Mount Sinai Medical School. Not an MD degree, but um, but a business you know a, a biz, both business degree and healthcare business degree. Um, and then I. I worked in the fashion industry for a little while. I, I won't take you on the full journey of the segue, how I went from A to B, but um, I did, uh, oh, prior to that, I owned a cafe in the city. <laughs> um, I then turned that cafe into a wholesale bakery, um, uh, par-baked and uh, cookie dough business where we were delivering par-baked and cookie dough to grocery stores across the tri-state area. I sold that company. Um, that was good. Got out of that business. Not an easy business, the uh, the bakery business or the wholesale business. But um, I got a lot of stories from that. But that was that was something I did. Got into like I said, the fashion company, the fashion industry. Um, had a line of um, accessories that sold in everywhere from depending upon the. There were different lines, higher end, lower end. Uh, sold in Coho's and Burlington and Cato department stores um, across the country. Um, sold a higher line of goods to places like Bloomingdale's. Um, did that for a little uh, for a while, and um, I've had a lot of different a lot of different businesses. I started a couple uh, tech um, small tech startups. Everything kind of um, as much as these uh, adventures don't seem like they had any connection. They really did seamlessly flow from one to the next, which was interesting because they are so un, you know, um, they don't seem like they would. Uh, but it was, it's been, it's been a very interesting career. It's been a great career. And, um, which has kind of been, has really brought me to what I do now, which is focusing on helping businesses, all different types of businesses, um, to really speak to their customers and to understand not only how to market to them, but where to market to them and what to market to them. Um, because uh, I just, in each one, if there's one thing that was a common thread through everything that I've done, it was understanding what the product is and why a consumer cares. Um, so whether that's cookie dough selling in a, in a chain across you know, New York State or it's going into, you know, to pitch Sports uh, Sports Authority back when it existed on um, on a line of uh, of athletic wear, it really came down to communicating to the customer. And where do you see yourself in the next three years? Where do I see myself in the next three years? That's excellent. Um, <clears throat> so right now we are working on a product that would help small and mid-sized businesses, and there are a lot of them in this country and of course across the world, a product that will help customers have a little bit more control, I'm sorry, have business owners, small business owners have a little bit more control over their conversation and their communication with their, um, with their customer. Um, it's a product we're working on. Um, it's a tech app. It's um, essentially a way, you know, it's an alternative to email, it's an alternative to some of the other platforms that people use. Um, and the idea is really to 
enable to empower small business owners to connect with their community. So that's something that's hopefully will uh, it's it's in the works. And how can people find out more about you? So um, to find out more about me, you can check me out on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also to have a small but building. We're going to be putting a little bit more uh, effort into. Um, um, the Dan Brody Project on YouTube. It's something we're going to be building up. We'll be doing things like we're, we're doing quick little two-minute videos, um, vignettes on, you know, how to approach a customer, um, how, things you should look at and make sure are, uh, are in your marketing plan or all of this is free, of course. And then I'm also going to be going over some of the business books, a lot of the business books that I've read over the years and doing a quick little review to share some of the tidbits about the book but at the same time, maybe to give you some insight as to maybe this is a book for you. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Dan, for being my guest. Thank and you. as we wrap up, we covered so much on today's program from looking at knowing exactly what is in your client's thought zone. Remember that as you're trying to deal with what you're trying to offer. There's a statistic from the UC San Diego that we absorb 34 gigabit of data on a daily basis. And if you think about that from the moment you woke up this morning, whenever you're listening to this, this morning the first thing, you either had the dog barking, you had the garbage truck rolling by, you had your alarm going off, you had some sort of other stimuli that woke you up. That was the very first bit of information that hit you. And then your coffee maker and the paper and all these other things that you may be dealing with, all of those pieces are additional data points that your brain is absorbing. But the human brain has evolved over time that we've put up walls in front of us. And the only way to break through that wall is to properly message your client in their thought zone. And the more that you can identify what is keeping them up at night, the better you're going to be. And the mindset aspect of where you are and where your clients are are going to be extremely important in helping to identify what is keeping them up at night. Know your avatars. Know what it is that's, like I said, keeping them up at night. And you're going to be a lot more successful. And on that note, here's to your success. And this has been another episode of Mojo, the Meaning of Life and Business podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of Mojo, the Meaning of Life and Business podcast. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review, liking us, or reaching out to us. You can contact us at bgsicoaching.com and let us know what you think. Thanks so much again for listening.